help us tell stories about living on this earth. Please make your charitable contribution today at LOE.org. It's Living on Earth. I'm Steve Kerwood. With a new Congress in place and President Obama about to begin his second term, we take a look now at the prospects for environmental policy through the eyes of the League of Conservation Voters. The LCV scores legislators on the basis of their votes and then vigorously campaigns for those it considers to be conservation-friendly and against those it thinks are not, regardless of party. In the 2012 election cycle, it spent more than $14 million and claims a success rate of 83%. LCV's president is Gene Karpinski. 2012 was an incredibly important election year. In fact, it was our most successful election cycle in the history of the more than 40 years of the League of Conservation Voters. And that's because we, number one, helped elect President Obama, who hasn't done everything we wanted, but has clearly been a champion on a lot of issues, including making some progress on climate change. We helped defeat Flat Earth Five, five of the worst climate deniers in the House of Representatives. We went after five, and then we beat four of them. And third, we put most of our energy into electing a whole new swath of new champions in the United States Senate. We invested heavily in eight Senate races across the country, and we won seven of those races. So people like Martin Heiner from New Mexico had a 95% lifetime score as a member of the House. Tammy Baldwin coming to the Senate from Wisconsin had a 96% lifetime LCV score coming into the Senate from the House. Chris Murphy had a 98% lifetime score coming into the Senate in Connecticut from the House. So we have a lot of new people who have a track record who have been leaders in the House of Representatives and are now coming to the Senate. So those are some examples. What about the House? You know, the House is still a place that's run by an incredibly anti-environmental leader in in a sense of John Boehner. Frankly, the House that just concluded its work was, from our estimation, based on our scorecard, the most anti-environmental House in history. So we will get a little bit better but it's still controlled by people who don't believe climate change is real and who want to roll back our critical clean air and clean water laws. Gene Karpinski, a lot of environmental activists backed President Obama for re-election, but now it seems that uh, a lot of the strongest environmental advocates within his administration are leaving. I'm thinking of Energy Secretary Stephen Chu and of EPA Administrator Lisa Jackson. Why is that? Well, you know, Lisa Jackson, she's the only one that's publicly announced that she's leaving. And let's be clear, Lisa Jackson has been an incredibly effective champion for protecting public health, protecting our air, and protecting our water. Uh, I think it probably was challenging for her because far too many times the most anti-environmental House representatives in history would call her up for, like, ridiculous hearings before the so-called House Science Committee and the House Energy and Commerce Committee, really questioning the validity of what the EPA does. What about her relations with her boss, though? President Obama pulled her back on the ozone rules that she wanted to move forward. And uh, the word on the street is that President Obama won't commit to blocking the XL pipeline and that Lisa Jackson had to walk on that basis as a matter of conscience. It's clear that no EPA administrator gets everything they want uh, when they're working for any administration, quite frankly. But I think, uh, you know, on balance, there's no doubt that Almost all of Lisa Jackson's most important initiatives, administrative initiatives, went into effect. For the first time ever, cutting mercury pollution from power plants by more than 90%. For the first time ever, taking aggressive steps forward to cut carbon pollution and other pollution from automobiles. It's probably the single biggest step 
this government has ever taken to cut carbon dioxide pollution from automobiles. Again, using the Clean Air Act in both those cases. She didn't get everything she wanted, there's no doubt about that. But she has an incredible track record and it made amazing progress. John Kerry is now expected to become Secretary of State uh, after Susan Rice, whom Obama originally wanted, was criticized for reportedly owning stock in a company associated with the XL pipeline for tar sands. How will John Kerry be uh, as Secretary of State? How will he be on climate? John Kerry has an incredible track record as chairman of the Foreign Relations Senate, Foreign Relations Committee. There's also no greater champion in the United States Senate on the issue of fighting for climate change. He's fought that issue for more than two decades, frankly. He's a leader, is a visionary. He knows what needs to get done. It's a difficult challenge internationally to make progress on that issue, but no one knows these issues better than Senator Kerry, and he has great relationships with foreign leaders across the world, and we're, we're looking forward to that new leadership. And what's going to happen over at the Department of Interior? Ken Salazar has been Secretary of Interior um, the last four years. There's been no announcement yet. Why do you think that is? At the moment, every indication is that Salazar will be there for a while. I think he's proud of a lot of the things that he's done. He's got a lot of important work to do. Just take one example in Interior. In the last year in particular, they finally started to use what's called the Antiquities Act to use, again, existing authority to create new monuments across the country. And there's a lot more opportunities here to do that in a second term without having to legislate. You know, one of the most important lessons, I think, of the next four years is it's not likely that the Congress is going to pass many, if any, major initiatives to make progress when it comes to, you know, cutting carbon pollution, strengthening the Clean Air Act and the Clean Water Act. But the executive branch, using its existing authority, whether it's the Antiquities Act and the Interior Department or the Clean Air and Clean Water Act at EPA, they can make an incredible progress. That's what Bill Clinton did in his second term, and that's what President Obama can do in his second term. How willing do you think he is to do that? Uh, I mean, for example, when he went to the New York area after Superstorm Sandy, the words climate change didn't pass the president's lips, although, of course, they came out of the mouth of Michael Bloomberg. Several times, Steve, since the election, as the president has articulated his top three priorities that he wants to get done in the next Congress, climate change has been one of those three. That was a a recent interview he mentioned in in his speech uh, right after the bill passed the House to address the fiscal cliff. So we're confident that he understands the problem. Now we need to make clear, here's the particular solutions that are going to enable us to make progress. And those solutions are elevating debate by using the bully pulpit, cutting carbon pollution from power plants, and rejecting the Keystone Pipeline. Those are the three specific things he should do to make the most progress on climate change that takes no act of Congress. These are things he can do using his own authority to make huge, significant progress. Gene Karpinski is president of the League of Conservation Voters. Thank you so much, Gene. Great to talk to you, Steve. Keep up the great work.